Well, good morning, friends, and welcome to our 945 service on this, the 14th Sunday after Pentecost. It's good to be together in God's house. Welcome to those of you joining us in the room. Many more we know joining us online. Uh, thank you for worshiping today. Some of you I know are visiting with us. We're, we're just super honored that you have come. Uh, we'd love if you leave some contact information so we could reach out to you this week and just begin the process of befriending one another. I'd love to get to know you, uh, learn about you. You can learn about us. It'd be great. Uh, I'm up front this morning with my friend and colleague, Dr. Uyan Kim. Grateful to be together. As Dr. Howard mentioned, we want to connect with you and for you to get to know us better. There's the hospitality pads at the end of your pews. There's the QR code at the back of your bulletin that you can use with your smartphone. And for those of us joining us online, there's a, a virtual hospitality link that you can click on. Help us to pray for you and with you to share the ministries of our church as we grow as a family of God together. As always, I want to remind you that in this week, uh, Bolton Insert, there's all the ministries of our church. A couple of things we wanted to highlight for you. Next Sunday is our kickoff Sunday. We have Sunday schools that are starting. There will be small groups that will be starting. There is, for those of us who are already and would like to be ushers and greeters, there's an ushers and greeters training next Sunday after 11 o'clock. We invite you. This is a wonderful way to serve, to get to know one another, to extend hospitality. And it's a whole lot of fun, so hope to see many of you there. It is, as always, grateful, uh, good that we are here to worship. Let us prepare our hearts as a family of God.
friends, let us be united as we confess our Christian faith and the faith of the Christian church through the Apostles' Creed, as you'll find in the back of your hymnal, 881. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our God is good and gracious to forgive as we confess our sins as a family of God. Please turn to our bulletin as we pray together. Let us pray. Gracious God, we carry anger in our hearts we cannot release. Our past regrets continue to shame us with pain. Scarcity binds our hearts from generosity and growth. Give us courage to choose you in the face of temptations. Set us for joyful obedience and faithful witness. Open us to a future of peace, hope, and love with you. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while you're yet still sinners. That proves God's love toward all of us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Old Testament reading is Exodus chapter 3, beginning with the first verse. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, and he looked, and lo, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Do not come near. Put off your shoes from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, and the God of Isaac. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, 
and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the land of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring forth my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Stop. Go down, Moses. Go to Egypt in those days. People would say, what are you talking about? Go down to Egypt? You go up to Egypt. Usually this is the zenith of ancient culture, probably all cultures of all time. Look at our pyramids. Look at our monuments. Look at the Sphinx. This is the greatest culture ever. And this is so interesting. God calls Moses <laughs> during the reign of Ramses II, the greatest of all the Egyptian pharaohs, maybe the greatest ruler in all of human history. You'd think if God wanted to deliver the people, he'd sneak in when they had a weak ruler one day. We can get the people out now easily, but no. God comes during the mightiest of the pharaohs and the most impressive of all of the cultures. The Egyptians would say, you go up to Egypt for God, you go down. Why? It's the kind of place, uh, how shall I say it, it's a pyramid scheme, right? In a pyramid scheme, what happens is a few people at the top get really rich and everybody else at the bottom suffers. A few people at the top get all of the benefits and they do it on the backs of the so many who are poor at the bottom. It's injustice. It's impressive. But it's injustice for God that's, you go down there, you go down to Egypt. Uh, I, uh, my first paper in seminary uh, somehow has survived many moves, and I found it this week in an old box. Uh, was written was on this passage. I studied, I was trying to make a good uh, first impression, and uh, it's 32 pages long. I attempted to read it this week. I could say that uh, if you're having any um, issues with, I don't know, insomnia, I could loan it to you. Goodness gracious. I mean, I got an okay mark in it somehow. The thing I learned in researching for that paper, it's obvious in the Bible, I should have never noticed it before, <clears throat> is that uh, God calls Moses, and it follows a pattern of when God calls people in the Bible. God calls people in the Bible, and they never say, oh, well, thank you very much. I'm glad that you recognize my great abilities. Yes, God, I'm happy. No, instead, they always respond by saying, like, what? Who, me? What were you telling me, Jessica, before the, you, you're about to teach something on this theme? Next Sunday, yes. Who, me? God calls people and they, who, me? Uh, so interesting. God calls uh, Moses and Moses, he's got a good excuse why he can't do this thing. He says, who am I to go speak to the Pharaoh and get him to let his labor force go? Like, who could do that? God comes to Jeremiah and Jeremiah says, I'm way too young. I'm just a kid. God comes to Isaiah and Isaiah says, I'm not nearly holy enough. God comes to Jonah. <laughs> He's got a great excuse. He says, God, the people you're trying to send me to, they aren't worthy of your mercy and grace. God comes to Mary, and she says, how could I be the mother of your son? I've never been with a man. I have good excuses, and God's response to this is never, oh, okay, I, didn't, I wasn't aware of that. I'll call somebody else. Instead, God responds by saying, I'm going to use you anyway. It's not about you and your ability. It is about your availability to God. I did that in my paper at Duke. That was like the one non-snoring section. It's not your ability. It's your availability. And the way I talk about it now, it's, it's uh, as if you want to be a spiritual person. It's not about what do I want to do or even what do I want to do for God, but what does God want me to do? 
does God want me to do? Moses heard God, and how shall I say it? Moses had a big advantage over us, I think, because Moses lived in a quieter world. We live in such a noisy world, I'm pretty sure that uh, in 2023 we'll set a new record for world noise, cumulative noise in the world. We're about to set a new record. Every year we set a new record. Moses lived in a quieter world. And for us to hear God, it's going to be in my How to Be Spiritual series that I've started. Something about hearing God and being spiritual is going to be about shutting off the gadgets and learning to be quiet and still, and it's hard because we're addicted to noise and we're addicted to our stress and we're addicted to our busyness. Um, you know, in the summer I took our high school seniors to the Holy Land. A few years back, I took a group of high school seniors to Assisi. We did a trip where we walked where St. Francis walked. It was a great trip. And I remember the first morning, I got these guys up, and um, uh, we stood there, there at the top of the hill that is Assisi, and I pointed down to the valley. And I said, we're, we're going down there, this big expansive valley. And they're like, oh, cool. So we started walking, and about five minutes in, I thought, this is not working. Because all of them, they weren't talking to each other, but they also couldn't hear me talking. They all had earbuds in their ears, and I don't know what they were listening to. And I said, uh, time out, time out. Get those things out of your ears. If you have a phone, you have to put it away in your bag. We're not going to do that. And they looked at me. Well, you know how people do if you say that. Like, you're asking me not to breathe. I mean, come on. They put it away, and I said, uh, what I want you to do as we continue this walk, it's going to take about an hour, is I want you just, just to be quiet. Don't talk to each other even. Let's just walk. She walked way down the hill, and we got to the bottom. I said, um, what did you hear? One said, I heard the wind. One said, I heard some birds. One said, I heard myself breathing. One said, I heard the rustling of the grass. We have to be still. We have to be quiet. My notes here say we'd love to hear from God. My question is, would we really want to hear from God? Because God asked Moses to do a really hard thing. God asked Moses to do something that he doesn't want to do. Uh, and we're, we're a little bit allergic to that. We want God to ask us things that we want to do, that we'll enjoy doing, that'll be fun doing. But God asked Moses to do a hard thing, something Moses doesn't want to do. But if you think about the real troubles of the world, that's always what's required. Uh, people who um, are suffering addiction, if you're uh, battling addiction and you go to get some help, they never say, here are two easy steps and you'll kick your addiction tomorrow. It's never that way. The counselor asks you to do things that are really hard and that you do not wish to do. And you've got to stay with it and stay with it, and it's always hard. And then you get, you get better. It's always that way, the troubles of the world. Uh, gun violence, you know, it came to uh, Chapel Hill. Somebody after one of the first services said, I am shocked that you mentioned Chapel Hill this morning being a Gamecock fan. It, it's a, you can work with me on this. And uh, I, my explanation for South Carolina losing so badly to North Carolina is that the North Carolina quarterback, Drake May, you know why he's so good? It's because I, James Howell, baptized him. <laughs> I, I, did, I did it too well. I didn't know. Anyway, the gun violence came to UNC Chapel Hill, and we have, I was getting texts from some of our freshmen at Chapel Hill. They are barricaded in their room. They're just going off to college. I mean, I'm sorry. They're barricaded in the room saying, I am terrified. 
I am terrified. God looks down at children all over this country and world who have to deal with this. And God says, let my people go. Same as with people battling addiction. God, let my people go. And to change that equation in our society, we have to do some hard things. But we don't want to do hard things. We want to do easy things. So much going on. There's an article in the paper this morning. I can't remember if it was the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times. It's about uh, there's a new Armenian genocide. And the poor Armenians, they had one 100 years ago, didn't they? They had a genocide then to rival the Holocaust. But now, in a place called Nagorno-Karabakh, where our church has been in mission, we know people there. Uh, the people from Azerbaijan are saying, we shall have this territory, even though it's full of Armenians, and so they're just gradually just killing them off. They're just killing them off. This breaks God's heart. God says, let my people go. There's so many things. Lisa and I yesterday went uh, to hear a presentation from a guy named Kevin Nye, who is a, a national authority on homelessness. Um, I resisted asking him, are you kin to Bill Nye, the science guy? Didn't ask him. Kevin Nye is not only an authority on homelessness, he's also, he's, he's been to seminary. He's a pretty good authority on, like, our theology. And one of the things that he says is in light of what we believe about the grace of God and in light of what we know causes homelessness and so on, he said that this actually is a solvable problem in our country. It's pretty easily solvable. It's just we don't want to do the hard things required, but God sees the homeless and says, let my people go. Let my people go. How will we hear from God? Uh, go down, Moses. Moses has to go down to hear God's call. God comes down. When I took those teenagers to Assisi, it's pretty cool. We started in, I like to call it, uptown Assisi. When Francis lived in Assisi, Assisi sits on the top it's perched on top of the steep hill, and there was a wall around it. That same wall is still there. St. Francis lived in uptown Assisi. Who else lived in uptown Assisi? The other wealthy people, and they were very comfortable inside the wall. It was a safe place. It was a happy place. They loved being there. They could self-congratulate one another that they had earned their way into this upper city, the uptown Assisi. Francis did not hear God's call there. He lived there for years, but never heard God's call. He heard God's call when he started leaving the city and going downtown, going down that hill that I walked down with those teenagers. He went down, 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 deep into the valley to a church named San Damiano that was crumbling, and all around it there were lepers wandering all over the place. You know, the comfortable people would say, let's get back up there and get away from this. But that's where Francis heard God's call. And friends, if you want to be a you want to be a Christian, if you want to hear God's call, if you want to be a spiritual person, if you want your life to have some purpose and meaning versus just fitting into the culture and being nominally religious, you want to hear God's call, but you're not going to hear it in the comforts of home. You got to go down somewhere. I thought about this. If you're uh, in a lounge chair by your swimming pool, and you ask God, God, what are you calling me to do? You might get an answer like, should I dive in the pool or should I have another martini? It's always something comfortable. But if you go down, go down, get out of your comfort zone, get out of the neighborhood where you usually find yourself, meet somebody who is different, meet somebody that you think you know what is wrong with them, but you've never actually talked to anyone. No one has ever actually told you and you've listened to them. Go down, think about the troubles of the world, and that is where we will hear 
God's call, and I think not anywhere else. It's a story. I think I've told you this recently, but I'm just stuck on it for some reason. So let me tell it again. We have a friend here in Charlotte named uh, Dorothy Count Scoggins, and uh, Dot lives over um, out near Johnson C. Smith. She uh, tunes in to worship with us fairly often, which is a, a great honor for us. She's one of the most famous Charlotteans. She's featured in the African American Museum there on the Mall in Washington, D.C. She's there because in 1957, a little earlier than other places around the southeast, uh, Charlotte responded to a court order and said, we have to integrate our schools. So what did they do? The stupid thing. This happened where I was in school. They sent one, one black kid into a white school. Like, are you kidding me? But that's what they did. They sent dot, dot counts into Harding High School right over here downtown and there were photographers there from the news and they took photos of dot coming in she looked great but uh, the white kids around her looked like neanderthals they were um, vile gestures they threw rocks at her they were spitting at her they were ridiculing her and these photos went viral. They went all over the world. They didn't use the word viral then, but they went viral. They went all over the world, including to a newspaper in Paris. And who picked up that newspaper? One James Baldwin. James Baldwin, a you know, novelist, poet, playwright, yeah, great writer, thinker, cultural icon. He was a black guy, though, and he couldn't stand the racism in America, so he just left. He went to Paris, and he loved being in Paris. Paris, I mean, what a chic place to be. He's in Paris, and they're like, there are other cultured people there, and that people don't hate him there because of his skin color, and he's so glad that he's out of America. He's in Paris. He's walking by the Seine, sipping wine. It's just such a very comfortable, wonderful life. But then he picked up that newspaper. He saw the photos of Dot. And here's what he wrote. There was an unutterable pride, tension, and anguish in that girl's face. It made me furious, filled me with both anger and pity, and it made me ashamed. One of us should have been there with her. I'd been dawdling in Europe, but on that afternoon, I knew I could no longer sit around in Paris. Everybody else was paying their dues. It was time I went home and paid mine. My question to you is, you know, where's your Paris? Where's your uptown Assisi? You've arranged it. You've succeeded. You've won the American prize. You've gotten the toy that is offered in our culture that I have a comfortable place. I'm sheltered from the troubles of the world. That's, that's the goal, right? <laughs> is wind up in Uptown Assisi. I'm in, I'm in Paris, but God wants us to go down and see who's hurting. And we get confused about that, by the way. I love the way uh, uh, James Baldwin put it. He said, one of us should have been there standing with her. Sometimes I hear Christians say, you have to take a stand. You have to draw the line. You heard this? I've done a Bible search. The Bible nowhere says you have to take a stand. You have to draw a line. What the Bible wants to do is stand with people. How do you know right and wrong? It's not a whole bunch of rules. I can give you a whole bunch of rules. That's not really going to help you know right from wrong and be a good person. 
You become a good person the degree to which you are close to Jesus. You become a good person the degree to which you are close to the heart of God. After that, right and wrong is it's just a piece of cake because you are, you are close to God and you want to do God's will. You want to please God. You want to see the beauty of God and you want to see, talk about right and wrong, which of God's children are suffering and how do we stand with them? Let my people go. Who is the God? Who calls Moses? I love this. Um, I think I wrote about it in that boring Duke paper that I wrote. I couldn't stay awake long enough to get to it, but I think it's in there somewhere. Is that uh, you have the point where uh, Moses says to God, What is your name? It's interesting, isn't it? What is your name? When I was in Davidson, people don't do it here so much. When I was up there, people would call me preacher. Hey, preacher. I'd respond like, Hey, lawyer. Hey, pediatrician. Hey, plumber. They didn't like that. They said, I have a name. I go, yeah, I have a name. I'm the preacher named James. Gods. In the ancient world, there were many gods. What's the name of this god who's asking Moses to go down and, and change the equation of what went on all over the Middle East? And Moses rightly says, what, what is your name? And God's answer, it's just laughable, and we miss it, right? In the, ancient, in the ancient world, if you ask people of other cultures, what's the name of your God? If you were Babylonian, people would say, our God is Marduk. He's the God of the four corners of the universe, the commander of the winds that come from afar, the commander of the rain, the conqueror of so many people. You ask the Egyptians, who is your God? Our God is Ra, the father of Horus, the instigator of the Nile, the guarantor of the sun coming up every, they'd go on and on and on, these long-winded titles of God, like you got to sit for a while to hear their name. Moses said, what's your name? And God's answer seems pitiful, right? It's so short. God says, my name is I Am. <laughs> Not a very good name, or is it the best name? God just says, I Am. I am. I'm here. I'm with you. I will be with you. Jesus' name. When Jesus comes, Jesus doesn't say, I'm the almighty Son of God, the conqueror of all of God's foes, the victory. God, he doesn't do that. His, Jesus' nickname is Emmanuel, which just means God with us. God is with us. It, it doesn't over promise, but it promises everything at the end of the day. I mean, that's what you want. You want it. God is with us. God is with all of us. God is with those who appear to be losing everything and that society neglects and doesn't care about Moses' response. It's great, isn't it? Moses doesn't say, well, here are my credentials, God. Maybe you can use these. <laughs> And he stopped saying, here are my excuses, God. Instead, Moses just says, what does he say? Here I am. Here I am. <laughs> I'm available to you. It's not here's what I want to do, but just, God, what, do you, what needs fixing? What needs doing? God wants all of us to go down and to listen and do whatever it is that God calls us. You may think, well, my part would be really small, but it can't be small because it's what God's asking you to do. How could it be small? It's what God is asking of you. But if you and you and you and I and others do what God is asking of us, all of it together is going to be something amazing, and God's people will be let go. There will be liberation. There will be freedom. Those things that afflict us, we're not just stuck with it. It doesn't it's not have to be a permanent condition. <laughs> the homelessness 
the homeless could find homes. The, it's just a matter of us listening, being willing to do the hard thing. Moses says, here I am, I'm not running. I'll go. I'll go. God's calling us. It's got to get quiet. Got to go down. Got to listen. And you just say, here I am. <laughs> it's a wonderful thing. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Holy God, we are grateful that we can come to you just as we are. That we can come to you and know that you are always there waiting with open arms. Thank you, God for your presence, for your grace, for your goodness that surrounds us each day. We are grateful. Lord, in your mercy. Gracious God, you know the things that keep us in bondage, the things in our lives that keep us from experiencing all of the goodness you desire for our lives. So God, we release to you now. We surrender to you. Holy God, liberate us from our pride, from our greed, from our own self-centeredness. Instead, fill us with your humility, your generosity, and your mercy. Help us, God, so that we can love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Lord, in your mercy. Through you, we know that anything is possible. We know that you, O oh God, can take the ordinary and turn it into something extraordinary. So we lift up to you now the struggles the pain, the brokenness of this world. And God, we ask that you transform all that is in need of your restoration. God, we pray for all those who grieve this day. We especially pray for the family and friends of Vicki Hammer and Sandra Hardy as they have completed their earthly journey and have joined you in eternal life. Lord, in your mercy. Holy One, we come into this space, your church, knowing that this is holy ground. But help us, O oh God, as we leave, to look for the places of your light in ordinary and everyday spaces. Give us eyes to see the divine. Give us ears to hear the cries of the needy. 
and give us mouths to speak of your great love for all of humanity. May we walk in the way of your son, Jesus. As we pray the prayer that he taught us by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As the ushers come forward for our tithes and our offerings, we want to thank you for your generosity that makes it possible for us to not just be a place that comes and gathers and worships, but that we are a place that sends out, that we go forth from this place to transform the lives around us and transform our communities. Thank you for your generosity.
Holy God, take these gifts and multiply them for the upbuilding of your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us, both now and forevermore. 